What's going on, everybody? It's another wonderful, uh, wonderful week. So happy to be back here in studio. Octavia is not with us tonight, unfortunately. So it's uh, you, you guys already know it's my guy Cardell Dudley here. I'm Wilson Tarvey Jr. You are watching the Focus. We appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in this evening. As you guys, if you guys are following on social media, you already know what we got planned tonight. A lot of basketball to discuss. We got some other sports as well. With Octavia in Octavia's absence, I'm gonna take my crack at her NFC East segment. I'm not even gonna out try to match the level of which she does it. I'm gonna let you know right now. I'm gonna do it with as much disdain as possible for the entire division, so nobody should feel any type of way about your specific team if you're an NFC East fan. We're just gonna get th- get in and get out. Uh, and rapid fire. We can't end any show without rapid fire. That being said, uh, we start the show off with some GW men's highlights. Cardell, uh, you were there. Mm-hmm. What was it like this weekend, boss? Uh, it was uh, it was a little competition. Let's just say that Hampton came to play. Um, obviously, GW beat them, uh, 65-57. Um, it was another test for the youth on GW. Um, it's a youth movement for most people that don't know. I know they've been used to upperclassmen, you know, the past few years. But um, they have a freshman and two sophomores starting right now playing major minutes. And, um, and you know, in there's moments that they play like freshmen and sophomores, which makes it tough at times. But thanks to the upperclassmen, Utah, Watanabe, and um, Patrick Steves, you know, they were able to squeak out a 65-57 win. Uh, grass through to Patrick Steves, finished with 14 points on 7-15 shooting, five rebounds and four assists. And sophomore point guard, one of the sophomores I was telling you about, Jaya Bowden, added 13 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Um, Hampton was led by sophomore point guard Jermaine Morrow. That's the name y'all need to keep an eye on. He's, he's deadly. Um, he's definitely going to be one of the top players um, by the end of the season. Um, he came he, he came average about 21-6. He, he finished with a game-high 25 points, four rebounds, and four assists on the pace now. Um, also, GW had a game last night before they go on the road for a Thanksgiving Day tournament. Um, they um, failed a 3-1 and rider. You know, you might want to pay attention to the rider. They're they getting a lot of big wins early. They um, fell at them at the buzz of 67-65. Once again, Patrick Steves, who I will elaborate on as we go, continue his consistent play, finishing with a game-high 19 points on 9-17 shooting. And senior four, Utah Watanabe, once again, nearly posted a triple-double with 16 points with 6-15 shooting, 13 rebounds, and 6 blocks. Ryder was led by four. Frederick Scott posted a double-double, 17 points, 10 rebounds, and, and guard 15. And, um, and their point guard, who uh, Jane, Adam James, um, who finished with 15 points and four rebounds. The Colonials are 2-2 two two on the season and will take on 15 Frank Xavier Thursday evening. Um, for those that don't know, Xavier you know, has a freshman who's from the area, Eleanor Roseville. Najee Marshall played a hard grade last year. So, you know, that'll make, you know, area folks should tune in for that. It should be a nice little homecoming game. But, um, you know, it's just growth right now. But them being so young and having so many other sophomores coming off the bench and stuff, new players, right now you can just tell the coaches and staff just trying to jail them. But I like how they're testing them. You know, they're not going after, you know, too many big-time heavyweights right off the bat, but they're going against competitive teams. You know, like some of these teams that they're beating, I know people might, they're from the MEAC, but those are gut teams that's going to compete for MEAC championships who's going to have a shot to go to the tournament through um, winning the conference tournament. So, you got to pay attention. But I want to also just give a big shout-out to Patrick Steves, man. He's been Mr. Consistent all year long. Whenever the GW's in trouble, he'll just make a few plays, whether it's not always just scoring, whether it's like going to the high post, uh, making a right pass to get somebody going, you know what I'm saying, where the defense got to focus on them. 
He's been playing out his mind, and I love his consistency. You, um, he's averaging 12.8 points on 53% shooting and 5.3 rebounds a game, nearly three assists. Uh, 6.84 high IQ. Um, he's the engine, man. Like without him, they they would be in a little bit of trouble because um, they won't have anybody to lean on. He's just their common presence. You know, when things start to get, when other team go on the run and they start to, um, you could tell they start getting on their heels a little bit. He steps up, and uh, you know he's been big for them. And uh, also I had a chance to check out um, GW Women's. They um, hosted Georgetown, which um, you know nice little cross town rivalry. Um, GW Women's. Defeated Georgetown 65-54, proving the two and one. Uh, freshman forward Neela Luma nearly posted a double double, 11 points and eight rebounds. And senior forward Brianna Cummins added 10 points and eight rebounds. Uh, the Hoyas was led by senior forward Cynthia Petke, who um, finished with 14 points and 16 rebounds. And um, senior guard, as well as uh, all Big East preseason, you know, Deanna White added 11 points and eight rebounds. Um, I was impressed with their defense. You know, GW, I mean, Georgetown came in with a lot of hype, you know, with a lot of scores. I mean, Deanna White came in averaging 25. She didn't score until almost the end of the third quarter. Like, that's how stifling their defense was. Was it, was it like uh, defense by committee, or was it just, just one person doing a great job? No, nah, it was committee. Help defense? It was, it was committee. Help defense, all that. You know, they really um, – but then she showed why she averaged 25. Again, she got real aggressive, and she's a pro scorer. She's a um, little undersized. But at the same time, you can see why. But it took her a little too long to get going, and that's what you know held them up. But GW defense, you know, help help them get the lead, and they hit big shots down the stretch, especially from three, to kind of you know seal the game late. And I'll definitely look out for true freshman Neela Galuma, who's a starting, who's already starting at the four. She's a six foot four. Uh, she's um, working on the double double, averaging six point three points to six point seven rebounds a game. I like her athleticism. I like her versatility. She's not scared in the moment. She's ready to go. And anytime a true freshman step in and get major minutes and making a major impact, you got to watch out for them. But, um, you know, she's on her way. And, you know, with GW, they get they have to do it by committee. You know, obviously they don't have John Quill no more who's long gone. Kyle Washington gra- graduated. So they have to do it by committee. And if they just stay focused and keep, you know, Keep that defensive intensity there. They got a shot at, you know, doing a lot of damage come conference play. All right, I'm, I'm look, I know they play Maryland mm-hmm. this year, and I finally get a chance to see them up close. And you told me several times just about their defense. Um, Just what's their playing style like under uh, Jim Rosati? I think it depends on the matchup. Okay. You know, I know they like from a game against Georgetown, they'll push it if they have it, but they execute crazy in the half court. That's how they got a lot of open threes. Um, they force you to play defense. If you make a mistake, they will burn you because they all can pass. And from what I saw, most of them can shoot. And and a lot of them aren't afraid to put the ball on the floor and make plays and stuff. What they do lack is um, athleticism up, up front. You know, they're not the you know, quickest and, you know, highest jumping team or whatnot. But they're fundamentally sound. So where their bigs may not be the most athletic, their guards are. You know, I just gave you the freshman. Then you got Brianna and them. They will get down there and get rebounds and mix it up. Like I said, Brianna Cummins, but she had eight, she had eight rebounds herself. She's a guard. So, you know, they make up for it. They do it. They playing as a team and they do it by committee. So that's why they would be hard to beat. You know, as for your Terps, like I told you, um, if the Terps, the Terps are already more athletic. So yeah. if they force GW in the turnover game. I can see them kind of blowing them out the door. But if GW can control the ball and don't turn it over, getting their sets, then it would be more of a game. It would be a back-and-forth thing. And especially if they hit their shots, you know, hit three-pointers, whatever, it could be a game. So it's just a matter of that. It's just it's going to be a little bit of a chess match. But it depends on who shows up and who don't. 
Right. Um, and talking about making Maryland execute in half court, and honestly, I haven't seen, G- seen GW, seen a lot of Maryland. That's something they're, they're working to get better at. Right. They're not great in half court. Um, last year, they shot the three a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Having Bree down there, you throw it down, has a bunch of shooters out there. This year is a little bit different. They're still trying to find themselves. But um, the one thing that they do do, well, they play great man-to-man defense. They get out, deflections, everybody can run. Essentially, you got a shooting guard in Kyla Charles or a wing mm-hmm. playing a four. Seventy Jones is another. She's a forward, but she's not a power forward. And she's playing the five. Um, so, I mean, they're all about getting stops and running. And that's why I'm saying at first it's going to be a little, a little bit of a chess match because, like you said, they love to defend man-to-man, yeah. and they have the athleticism to mm-hmm. do that. But, you know, if GW execute, they can make them work and stuff like that. And then that would slow up their transition yeah. and everything. That's how it is. But if they turn the ball over, it's going to get ugly quick. They're very, very quick. Um, quick update on Maryland. We told you guys uh, last week they were heading after playing South Carolina. Mm-hmm. They had a camp day game against Niagara. They took care of Niagara. Started off kind of slow. The kids had a lot of energy. Um, got the team going. And everything really started for them again. They got some stops. Got out the running. And when, when Maryland runs, they, they do it very, very well. Um, up in Connecticut, I mean, I don't think anybody expected Maryland to go up there and beat UConn. Because this is a really – this is a stacked UConn team. Got the number one player in the country – out of high school last year, Megan Walker coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And not as, as a six man, but off the bench. They, they're loaded. Um, you know, Katie Lou's not playing right now. Um, right. They took care of Maryland 97-72. But what I did like for Maryland, they didn't quit. They played hard throughout the whole game. Kyla Charles, uh, outside of Gabby Williams being on her, she had her way against UConn, much like she did last year. I believe she had 29 points, 12 rebounds against the, the best team in the country, which isn't bad. Um, at all. Uh, Shanice Lewis, you saw the freshman kind of grow up a little bit. She, she handled herself pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they it's a work in progress for this team. They're going to be solid. They just got to find out. You know, you got to find your identity. They know what it is, but it's about living that each and every quarter, each and every possession. And uh, that's, I mean, the biggest thing I take away is that they just don't quit. They played Howard tonight, and um, I figured, again, no respect to Howard, but that went as... You figured it would? As expected, yep. As expected, 111 to 49. Um, so, again, you play Maryland, you turn the ball over. They get rebounds. They're bigs, have the ability to push the ball. You had uh, six Terps in double figures. And just going forward, uh, December 20th, uh, Elena Krismiaki, she gets to finally play her first game. She's a transfer from Florida. Mm-hmm. She played with the Gators last year. So, yeah, she had to sit out last year. Um, is she a guard for She's another one of those six-foot wings. Okay. Think about her, she can shoot the ball. So that's something that's going to be welcome there. You know, somebody can shoot the ball with some size um, going forward. But as always, get over to findersmag.com, get over to mymodelsports.com. We got you guys covered, GW men's and women's, Maryland's women's. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, we're going to talk a little NBA, a little WNBA. You're watching The Focus. And uh, during the, during the break, enjoy these uh, highlights from the GW Women's Game. Welcome back, welcome back to the Focus. Wilson here with a Cardell. So we got through college basketball already. Still got some more basketball to go. Gonna start with our uh, weekly Wizards segment. So uh, up and down for Washington yeah. since the last time we were here. Um, I'm gonna let you start, and I'll, I'll chime in. I mean, they they lost to the Heat. Um, they got off to one of their sluggish starts at home, mm-hmm. battled back. Um, you know, Brad Bill went off. I think he scored 22 in the second half, had yeah. 26, and it came down to the wire, but he missed the game winner. 
Um, John Wall didn't have a great game. Um, after the game was revealed, revealed that um, his knee was swollen. He had fluid in his knee that needed to be drained, which caused him to sit out the game against the Raptors, which the um, you know the Raptors kind of got revenge for the earlier season when you know they beat him without Wall. You know they held on. Then the Wizards came back last night and beat the Bucks convincingly, who were playing without their head coach or whatnot. But nonetheless, they got the W. They did what they had to do. Big games from Bill, who um, became the youngest ever in NBA history with 703s, yep. 24 years, I believe. And um, Kelly Oubre did his thing as usual, you know, being Mr. Consistent, who I think should be in the run of six man in the year. You or know, he's playing that well. Something. You know, so um, the Wizards is, is still the same. So basically, it led to um, three games they wanted to. But for the Wizards, for me, it's the same. It's the defense, man. It's um, the sense of urgency when you get out the gate, stepping on teams' neck as soon as the game starts. Instead of waiting for them to hit you, then you come back and try to give them a haymaker and lock, knock them out. Um, you know, they're averaging 108 a game and holding teams to 103, uh, which is great. You know, their, their defense has improved. But at the same time, I would like to see it become more consistent throughout the game, not just when you get down, you have to come back and fight. That's when you want to play D and all that. And, um, you know, I got a couple notes that people need to take care of, you know, heat of, you know, Brad Bill, man, he's all-star. To me, he's the best – he's emerged as the best shooting guard in the East. This is agreed upon here. Um, you know, which makes him with a top three. It depends on if you consider James Harden a point or a two-guard. You know, let's say if James Harden is a point, then what is it? It's just him and Clay battling for that top two guards while he's emerging. And he's averaging 24 a game, almost five rebounds, 3.4 assists on 48% shooting from the field, 37% from three, and 82% from the line. See, that's the efficiency that's separating him. And he's obviously became the Wizards' go-to scorer, where even Wall defers to him now, where Wall in the past will feel like he has to do it, his build, because he's more of a sure thing. And Kelly Uber averaging 11.2 points, 5.5 rebounds, off the bench on 41% shooting from three and 78% shooting from the line. Like, his his improvement over the summer in just a few months, I mean, that should be the poster child for when coaches want to be like, man, you just work during the summer, you'll get better. Because it, it's he's and he's still bringing the defense where he's added another dimension to the Wizards, especially coming off the bench. He's a weapon. He's really a, a six-starter, which is essentially what a six-man is, but um, he's deadly. And I also got another note for the people who want to criticize their bench. The bench is averaging 41 points a game. I just said they average 108. What more do you want the bench to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, We've been trying to scream this all year yeah, long, too. They're averaging 41 a game. They're doing their job. Truthfully, when the Wizards have lost games, it's the starters' fault. You know, and I got – wall my guy, but I got hey, I got to get it on. I got to keep it real. It's, it's wall. He got he to play better. He got to be more efficient. Um, got to play smarter, you know. If Wall was playing at the level he did last year, the Wizards are fighting with the Celtics for the top record in the East right now. There's no question. So if he turned it on, become more efficient, um, you know, play a little bit smarter, cut down the turnovers, play more consistent defense, then, you know, the Wizards are on their way. Because they, to me, they, they're in the mix with Cleveland and the Celtics. They, But it don't mean nothing, when, you know, believing it. You got to show it. And they have to be more consistent, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, I agree with you. You already know pretty much every 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 point that you made. Consistency is everything for them. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen in glimpses when they do play defense, they look like one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. They look like one of the better teams in the league right. when they play defense. And it's about doing it consistently 
and especially at the start of games. Mm-hmm. Almost, what, what are we at, like 16, 17 games so far this, this year? Mm-hmm. We're not yet at 20. But 17, the, yeah, So 17, I'm just going to throw this out there. And I'm, I'm trying to go back and look. But at least 10 of those games, slow starts. And, and, and I'm not talking about offensively. I know people hear slow starts, you talk about offensively. I'm talking about defensively. Because when that team plays with energy defensively, they're a totally different team. You know, that's that you brought out several times this year. They're one of the better teams in the league when they play defense. Mm-hmm. And and for them to make that jump from being a good team or, you know, how sometimes there's teams in the league where people are like, oh, well, they're going to make the jump, they're going to make the jump, but there's always something about that team and they never quite make it. Mm-hmm. Washington's kind of in that funny place. It's about, for them, it's consistent, consistently playing defense at a high level. And that's going to get them to that next level. Offensively, they don't have anything to worry about. We've seen on bad nights, you know, especially the last home game in Miami, you got 29, 30 points at the half, and you score, what, 70, what, 60, yeah. 70 points. The second half, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you went the whole half without making a three. But if you had played defense the whole time, Miami doesn't have 50. Miami's a, a team that, that, that doesn't score very easily. If, if you were locked in defensively, that's a totally different game, even with the bad shooting. You know, we've seen, we've seen other teams in the league – Make those big type come uh, those big time turnarounds after starting slow mm-hmm. offensively, but the way that you know and nobody talks about how they get through it is because they keep playing defense. Keep playing defense, the tide's gonna turn. You're gonna start to hit shots. You got talented players. It's gonna happen. Starts on that end of the floor, right? And like you said, the stat. I think they're 52 and eight over the last yeah. three years when they hold teams under 100. They beat the Bucks last night. They held them to 88. I think Toronto got over 100 on them. They lost. Um, the Heat, same thing. It's it's them. They're beating themselves, and that's the frustrating. If they weren't that good, it's nothing to get. They just ain't that good. Exactly. But this is the deepest team, especially for Warren Bill. You, dog, this is the deepest Wizards team since the, the arenas in the you know era. You know, like it's no excuse. Y'all really can rumble with Cleveland and Boston, and and even if y'all went some, a little bit of people may be shocked, but it's not surprising if y'all do come out the East. But I got to play defense, man, because right now Celtics. You see the Celtics, young boys. They're not playing. They smacking, man. They come on. They you not playing. The Dallas game last night. That's what I'm saying. Literally, they down four. Oh no, they're down six. I'm sorry. Dallas never got a good a good shot the rest of the game, and even in overtime, some of the shots that Harrison hit, they were highly contested. Mm-hmm. But again, taking highly contested shots that works to the Celtics' favor. Meanwhile, Kyrie's getting layups. Defense goes a long way, and that's literally all Washington needs to do. Offensively. <laughs> They don't have any and it, And it feeds their offense. Yes. What does what do Wall do best? Transition, Transition man. And so that's f- almost all of them. Exactly. Bill, you know, those big athletic guards get rebounds. Who's going to stop them going to the other end? Uh, yeah, Teams you got – Come on, man. You got – you Bill, he sprint. He can dunk over shoot the three. Same with Kelly. He love – you know, he love the body dudes. You know, Porter, he three-point. He can finish too. Wall, can't nobody stop him on transition, man. They, they they try. I seen him dribble through four dudes and lay it up or dunk. Left hand on you know, he love to duck the left hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit fire you up. Like, I'm trying to get D, you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. So, you know, as long as they play consistent D, they among the best. When they on that, I call it too cool for school yeah. vibe, man, then they mediocre. It's as simple as that. So I know what they can't do uh, tomorrow night. They, they're playing in Charlotte Ooh, before the break. Uh, I know nobody watches the Hornets outside of me. <laughs> <laughs> These are facts. Just throw that out there. But Kemba's like two games removed from 47, 47 point outbursts. Dwight had 20, 20 and 25 last night. Last night. The just, just wanna, and that's the Timberwolves. That's against Young Cat, you know. Just want to throw that out there. And Charlotte's obviously not where they want to be at. But the one thing they do, they play hard all game. <laughs> For a team of Washington, we talk about with that 
too cool for school attitude sometimes. Mm-hmm. These next two games, you can't be like a days ago coming out the gate defensively. Kemba get going, it's hard to turn that off. Oh no doubt. No. Okay, and 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 even his partner in crime, Jeremy Lane from the UConn days, he's averaging seventeen this year. So, you know that's different now because usually it's just Kemba. Exactly, and then at the same time, it's a little rivalry as you can see with them in Boston. If yes. you need Boston in the playoffs. And I'm going to give Marcus Smart some love, man. He should be in um, Defensive Player of the Year conversations. Yeah, that dude's crazy on defense, on ball, help side. I mean, that's what's messing a lot of teams up. It's, it's him. He's everywhere. And he's and he's he's embracing his role as a go-to defender for that team, one of them at least, you know what I'm saying, because he's not the only one that played D. Like and like you said, the Wizards got a couple of tough matchups coming up. Like you got to say Kemba and Lamb, and then you got the, the Mama's boys coming, you know, Dane and CJ. Saturday at home. They don't defend, it's going to be a wrap. Because they both can go off for 30. And that's a hard pill to swallow. They both can go off for 40 if you don't defend. Hey, so, and then I'm looking at, you You got to look around the East. Philly growing up so quick. Ben Simmons and B. Oh, man. I'm trying to tell y'all they coming. But um, they're ahead of our schedule. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Almost right now. Because I thought, like, we were talking about this. We talked about nah, this. They scared off. me off the bread. I, I don't think. Because I, I've, I've watched Ben since high school, mm-hmm. and I know he's a cerebral player. He don't always rely on athleticism. If he played like that, then I'll agree with you. Right. But he's, he's, a, he's a highly intelligent dude. That's why when they put him at point, a lot of people was critical. Like, Markel need to play. So I'm like, he going to make Markel's job so easy it's and make so allow Markel to do what he do best, score and make plays. It's so easy, though. But him, he's a true point guard. He's just 6'10". And I don't believe in boxing players. In. Like, your game is your game. It don't matter your size. And shout out to Brett Brown for letting his yeah. young players, all of them, be who they are. Exactly. Because a year ago, you remember some people were down on Timothy. I always remember his mess up his name. The Wabu Caribou. Yeah. He's a solid player. For, uh, and Robert Covington. Philly. Salute to him. Covington. He. That's a dude. This is where teams mess up. Like, a lot of these teams out here are looking for people like Cove. Mm-hmm. He's been sitting there. He's sitting there. 6'10 wing. Guard multiple positions. Got a clip from behind the arc. He's in Philly. And shout to Philly for making sure they didn't lose him. And nothing, but more props to him for working on this game yes. and getting better and better and better coming from the D-League, undrafted, D-League, working his way up, not crying, just embracing his role, Same getting better and better. Yeah, and now he's a, he's a third option. And then if Mark Hill becomes what he is, that, that makes that team in the future, if they stay healthy and ready, being a veteran, teaching them the game, if they develop into what they are, they are a problem for everybody, man. Like, people, I don't think people understand how scary they are. Embiid and Simmons already hell. So if Mark Hill become what he should. Then you know Sark is still there averaging you know the double-double. It's scary, it's, man. Like the spacing's already jacked up right now. And the second most dangerous shooter on the floor at times is the center. Yeah, when he trailing the press break. he Simmons just like, now, here you go. Like, And I told you, like, I'm still geeking off when they play the Lakers. I know it's the Lakers. But you got the center throwing a post-repost pass to the point guard on the low block, kicking it back out to the center for the three. Like, this is only going to get more crazy. But it might be the Lakers. But he did against Brook Lopez, who's a, who's yes. a very good center. Yeah, and he destroyed him. Yeah. And it's like he he he's just really he haven't even played. These guys haven't even played a full year yet, and look at the damage they're doing. And and by now the scout report has caught up. They yeah. trying to stop these dudes, and they and they can't do it. It's serious problems, man. Like like KD said, Ben's special, man. It's, it's, you haven't really seen nothing like him. I, I know people him. throwing out Lamar Odom, but I think he more of a beast than Lamar Odom. I'm not gonna say Magic yet because Magic more of a passer, but and he and he's not the athlete that Ben is, but. He, he's a special blend, man. And, and that's the thing. Think about that. We, we're, we're talking about two really special 6'9", 6'10 guys already mm-hmm. in a conversation with him, yet they both don't quite define what he is. Like, we don't know what to define him as other than, you know, he's a first Ben Simmons. And that's it. 
Um, real quick, WNBA news. Uh, we meant to bring this up last week, but the WNBA lottery was on November 13th. Um, so in the order, I'm just going to run through the order of the first round, Las Vegas. If you guys don't know at all, for those that don't cover the WNBA mm-hmm. even a little bit, Las Vegas, that, that team is yet to have a name. But the Las Vegas team, um, the head coach is Bill Lambeer. Has the first overall pick. Indiana Fever have the second. Chicago picks back-to-back. Um, and the reason being they have the Atlanta Dreams pick after flipping, um, after the trade that moved Amani Boyette from Chicago to Atlanta uh, midseason. So they picked three and four, which is great for a team that's trying to, I know some want to say rebuild, but that's not a bad way to retool. Um, Seattle's at five. Uh, depending on what you get there, you add that to that mix of Sue, uh, Stewie, Jewel Lloyd. Uh, Washington, uh, Dallas is at six. Washington at seven. Phoenix at eight. Connecticut at nine. The Liberty for now, because I'm just saying for now, we've heard all the rumors about them being up for sale. Um, they're at 10. LA Sparks at 11 and the Lynx at 12. And that's pretty much the first round. Um, some of the names will be thrown around. We're going to talk about this more, obviously, as the year goes on. But Kelsey Mitchell, Diamond DeShields, Asia Wilson, Gabby Williams, Asia Durr, who's already had a 47-point game, uh, Monique Billings. Um, so it's going to be fun. Uh, and what we saw last year was some juniors in the women's game come out, which is not usually the typical thing. Usually we see four-year players. Um, and that was from South Carolina last year where a couple players came out. I believe it's uh, Alicia Gray and Kyla Davis. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that goes, man. Um, NFC East segment. I'm going to knock this out real quick. We're going to take a quick break. And then rapid fire. So I'm obviously not Octavia. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do any fly Eagles fly thing here. But this is what happened in the division last week. The Eagles destroyed the Cowboys 37-9. Um you know, y'all need to just pray for Dak Prescott behind that line. Um, he's going through some things at the moment. And the Eagles, are, they're not slowing down. They're not slowing down one bit. The Redskins, uh, I was flipping the channel. They were up 31-16, started doing something else, came back. Found out they lost courtesy of Twitter. I, that, that, that was a hurtful loss uh, for them in their playoff chase. Um, they gave up 18 points in the fourth quarter. You can't do that. Uh, yeah, the, the controversial intentional grounding call, which definitely hurt. But still, even before that, you were in field goal, you were in field goal range. I mean, you, you had every opportunity to take care of business in this game, and you didn't. The Giants beat the Chiefs. How about that? The week after losing to the lowly San Francisco 49ers. They beat one of the better teams in the West. Um, and that game went to uh, overtime as well. So the Giants take on the Redskins on Turkey Day. We got the Cowboys taking on the Chargers. And then the Eagles play the Bears on Sunday. So, um, I don't know where the Eagles streak is going to stop. Uh, the Skins can't afford to lose to the Giants at all. Might be the kiss of death on the season. And the Cowboys and the Chargers, uh, two, te- two struggling teams at the moment. Um, so, we'll see how that goes. But we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, you know, it's rapid fire. Welcome back, welcome back. And thank you guys again for tuning in, man. We hope you guys have a happy holidays this week. And uh, as always, we uh, appreciate the continued support here at The Focus over at Founders Magazine and uh, at My Model Sports. That being said, rapid fire time, what you got for us today, man? I got a few things, man. I got some things, you know. As usual, I need my answers, man. I need some hope. So, um... Octavia, you left me alone for this. <laughs> she ducking that wreck, man. Let me share with man, before she get to talking about her ear. <laughs> All right, but, um... The first question, 
who's in front for NBA MVP right now? James Harden. The Rockets are 13-4. He's averaging 31.6 points a game, 9.9 assists, 4.8 rebounds. Or Kyrie Irving. Celtics are NBA best 16-2. He's averaging 22 points a game, 5.3 assists, and 3.2 rebounds. Who is your vote? Uh, who, you, who would you say is out in front right now? Uh, it's no question right now. I think it's laughable. And again, I like what Kyrie's doing with Boston. I like what Boston is doing as, as a team. Um, but it's, it's James right now. It, it, James is the front runner. Uh, if this streak continues, I mean, maybe you can have a discussion. But James is leading like four or five statistical categories right now. Uh, I believe he got the best record in the West. Um, you know, it's James Harden for me. Okay, um, I'm, I'm torn. Um, but I, I like winning. So Kyrie has a very slight edge. Okay. Because um, I believe um, with their new team, they lost so much. And just adding him with his leadership, which was questioned after he last, you know, left Cleveland, you know, James was already comfortable. You mm-hmm. know, all they did was just add really CP3 to the mix, and he's been out. That's and right. that's why he's in the mix. But with Kyrie just coming to that new situation and losing Gordon Hayward, they had every reason to kind of just fall off a little bit. And, nah, he's actually leading. He, and um, what I mean leading, he's not f- forcing himself on the game with the improvement of Jason. Well, Jason Tatum, a rookie, with what he's showing, and then improvement of Jalen Brown and guys like that, he's allowing them to flourish where he could be like, nah, I'm Kyrie, I need to do this. He, he just he, Sometimes he plays off them. I got to respect that because that's what's the main question. As for right now, now, at the end of the season, we'll be like this. No, we don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, winning Q is all, and at the end of the day, right now, if the playoffs started, they had the home court throughout the league. So, right. everything coming through them. So, right. you know, I, I can't knock. I got to give them his props. Um, I definitely respect it. Like, and by no means, I definitely respect it. Oh, no, no. It. That's why I it's so tough. Respect, it's, like, 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 I can't get mad at you for taking Kyrie. Oh, no. Because I can't get mad at Harden either. Like, that's I, why. I just can't. So. <laughs> um, I vow never to put this dude on the show. But oh, it's, it's, a, it's a basketball-related thing. Okay. Uh, LaVar Ball came out. Um, he criticized the Lakers coaching staff. He said they're soft. They don't know how to coach my son. I know how to coach him. He's been away from me too long. I see Tennessee's in this game. They're trying to baby him a little bit. What are your thoughts, man? <laughs> Look, <laughs> you're not employed by any NBA team, correct? Yep. If the Lakers felt like you would truly help in any capacity, <laughs> I believe they'd bring you on their staff. They have not reached out to any of our knowledge. Your son needs to go through this. Right now, you know, this might be the best thing for him. He needs to earn his minutes. And Judith, I know people get excited about some of the triple doubles he's had, and those were good games. But I believe the second triple, the most recent triple double he had, I believe being benched played a big role in that. I, I think sometimes, you know, you know, I, you know, we heard Luke talking about how, how important it is for his guards to come down to kind of help with the rebound, like sandwich rebounding, when they were here in Washington last. And the couple games prior to that triple-double, Lonzo wasn't coming down as much. Mm-hmm. And with you at 6'6", six, six, I'm, I'm just taking a wild guess here. The reason Luke would like you to come down, help on the glass, you get out and transition that much quicker. If you're coming over the back and getting a rebound, you, you already passed the bigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, like, offensively where you're struggling, you have to do the little things to earn your minutes. Right. And this is good. You, like, it needs to be earned, so I have no issue with it. LeVar just needs to sit down and let this process play, play out. Um. Well, here's some facts for you. Um, let me look at Luke Walton, uh, you know, head coach. You know, he has a couple of championships. He won a few championships with the Lakers. 
in um, the early 2000s. All right, that's the head coach. Then the assistant coach, I'm looking at Brian Shaw. He has five. He won three as a player and two as an assistant coach in 09 and 10. All right, you know what I'm saying? Jesse Merman is another assistant coach. He checking you yeah, too? Years, no, but years on the you know, G League coaching, development players like Norman Powell for Toronto and all that coaching down at the G League level, all that, graduated University of Arizona, you know what I'm saying? Um, handled Wildcats operations for years. Brian Keith, another one, you know what I'm saying? In his 13th season, ninth as an assistant coach, uh, he countless Oklahoma City next, you know, prior, lots of experience, man. Mark Madison, you might remember him. He won a couple championships as well with Definitely the Lakers, you know, with the Shaq and Kobe and Lakers and whatnot. Hustle guy, everybody know about him. Jeff Bushler, he won three rings with the Bulls, man. I'm just saying. I'm looking – oh, the lowest on the total pole, Miles Simon, the new coach, legend from Arizona. Arizona? USA, yeah. I think they know what they're doing, man. That sounds like a pretty dumb thing. You know, and, and we got to – you, you, you question the coach. And one of these dudes got one more – got more experience in like a, a, a in a month that you have in your whole life. It's we got to learn to just give respect where it's due in society period because it's too much people with if you evaluate their resume and credibility they have now going at people with it. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. If you were so good, why is your son so off shooting? If you if you knew what she was doing so much. So and then at the end of the day, it's about it's a team sport. It's about the Lakers becoming better as a team so they can start winning games. It's not about your son shining so you can sell shoes and all that. You know, he tried playing them in the fourth quarter. They was getting destroyed, so he had to sit them. Then they got momentum. You need to relax because right now the best rookie on the team is a guy that would almost fell to the second round, and that and that says a lot. So it's just about being humble, man. But to call out the coaching staff is just, I mean, it's it's him. You know what I'm saying? how obnoxious and arrogant he could be, but it is what it is. Moving on. Uh, a big bombshell in college hoops today. Uh, potential number one pick out of Missouri, Michael Porter Jr. will undergo surgery in Dallas, Texas. The procedure of microdiscectomy of the L3, L4 spinal disc has a projected recovery time, um, yeah, projected recovery time of three to four months and will likely cause him to miss the remainder of the season. Um, my question to you is, will this hurt his chances of being taken number one and two, um, should we reevaluate the AAU schedule? Okay, so the second question, yes. Kids need rest. They're not getting enough of, of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, per Jeff Goodman, just tweeted multiple NBA gyms, have, NBA GMs have told me as long as Michael Porter Jr. is back, checks out come June, he's still likely a yeah. top five overall pick. Talent is talent. It's just about health. Um, no, I don't think this changes draft stock in the least bit. Obviously, they'd love for him to get through this college season. That that would be a a that would be a bonus. But it's not like NBA GMs haven't had their eyes on Michael Porter prior to his freshman year of college. Again, it's one of those cases where you're at college because you have to go. Um, mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's going to take his change his draft stock significantly at all. Um, my biggest, the only way it changes is if the back really isn't okay. Um, outside of that, no, I'm fine. Hey, um, nah, he's still going to get drafted. It's just, will he be taking number one? I think it might hurt him a number one pick because um, uh, especially if Aiton and Bamba and those guys, right. Bagley, they do what they're supposed to do, yeah, it, it will hurt because of that, the, the yeah. risk. Um, well, because he was banged up late in his high school career too. Came into the season banged up, you know what I'm saying? He set out a little bit during the summer. So it's obviously been something that's, uh, you know, lingering for a while, you know, he finally just got to get it fixed, and you know what I'm saying. But like you said, that 
you know, as you know, getting groomed to be an NBA scout, the number one thing they emphasize is that medical report. Your medical report, they, they, they not even going to look at your game. It's like we got to move on because it's too much of a risk. You know, we sign you, we locked in for X amount of dollars from X amount of years, and then you get hurt, can't play anymore. You know what I mean? It sets us back, you know. So, um, but if he, like I said, if you check out fine, he definitely going to be a top five pick because it's just too much potential, and he is that nasty. Don't get it twisted. Man. But as for the AAU thing, they got to, um, I think, you know, the, I'm not going to blame the shoe company and all them. They just putting people out. You don't have to necessarily play in it. So I'm yeah. looking more so the coaches and the parents. And it's not attack on AU, calm down. But something got to give because, you know, like I said, it's a thing called AAU bodies now where kids are coming in, even the one that does, they come in and they're getting physicals and they're saying they have the wear and tear of a five-year vet already and they ain't even played the NBA game. That's sad. That's not cool. And I don't. the results speak for it. Look at a lot of the top picks over the last few years. They already hurt before they play a game. Then they have to work their way back to get on the floor. You know, and we're looking at two of them who turned out to be special with Philly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, wait for him. but yeah, that's my point. So, and the GM who actually drafted him, not Simmons, but the one who drafted him ain't there no more. You know, that's how I usually go. You don't get to stick around to see him flourish. But, I mean, they got to reevaluate something, but it's more on the parents and stuff like that. Like, fine, you went, you did what you had to do with your respective team on the circuit, playing a couple camps, went at the top dogs, you did your thing. All right, we gonna shut this down yes. and rest. We don't need to keep doing. That's your livelihood. If that's what you want to do, that's your livelihood. Exactly. The rankings don't really mean nothing. Nope. You can move us down. Who cares? You know, we gonna go to college if we have to. I'm here. They talking about allowing you to come back out of high school. So if you come out of able to come out of high school, we evaluated them. But it's not. It's you know you gotta preserve your body. We're yeah. not terminators. We can't just keep going, man. It don't work like that. And you know, so you know, hopefully he recovers and you know be ready for the league next year. That's one of my uh, favorites going in next year, too. Oh, he's tough. He's, he's real tough, man. But um, uh, DeMarcus Cousins was ejected for Elbow and Russell Westbrook in the head. Was it legit or did Russ flop? Nah, he hit him squaring in Russell's big shoulder. <laughs> um, it, it landed just like someone trying to hit Floyd. It landed square on the shoulder. Um, and then he flopped. There was some acting afterwards. Um, I forgot what Pelicans player said it, but it was pretty much off of Boogie's repu- reputation that I feel that that call went from just a common foul to being ejected. He didn't deserve to be ejected. You teach post players when you're five, you got little gnats underneath, you know, them little guards mm-hmm. swiping at you, elbows high. You know, he, if he connected with him, we would have saw it. Right. So. I mean, yeah, it was definitely a flop, man. Come on, Russ, one of the toughest dudes in the league. He, 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 miles up he looked like he got shot. He went to the floor. He, he pulled a Reggie Miller. But at the end of the day, it won. You know, it hurt yeah. the team. Well, they came back and won, but I think so. But uh, it hurt the team for that moment. Yeah. So, you you know, do what you can. That's part of the game. But, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins, if he really wanted to swing that elbow, it would have been ugly. It would have been some blood shit out there. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But they got to – they can't keep targeting DeMarcus Cousins. I understand his history, but you, you, you got to be neutral when you're making those calls because then, you know, the ref's credibility start being in question and then we got a whole new ball game. So, but, you know, he'll bounce back. Kevin Garnett says Bucks and the Thon Maker will be MVP one day. Do you agree? I actually meant to call you when um, I read that on Twitter, and, and I forgot I got busy with something else. Um, I don't know. The, the one thing, I like Thon as a player, and we've talked about this before. I don't know if he's going to do that at center. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's possible because we don't know. We're not in the gym with Thon and, and Giannis, but – I, I highly doubt that it's going to be at center. 
Um, but if KG's willing to put his stamp on you, I'll sit back and wait. Um, but I don't know. I'm just I'm in the wait and see approach after hearing that. Yeah, I'm not gonna go that far. Um, his potential is crazy. But, you know, he's been in the league for two, three years, and it's, it's, it hasn't really been much of an improvement. I think what KG's seeing is a lot of himself, you know what I'm saying? You know, skinny, multi-talented, big, and maybe that's what he's hoping for, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I need to see a uh, dramatic step before we even start saying MVP. That's, that's hard. Like, cause like we said, we just mentioned two dudes and the seasons that happened. He's nowhere close to that. So, you know, hell, he's not even close. He's not the MVP of his team let alone Lee. So he got a long way to go. Um, just keep working. And, you know, hopefully he'll get close. He'll be in that mix one day. Um, Maryland men's are 5-0. and Georgetown men's 3-0. and Which team are you more impressed with? Mm, I guess I'm going to say Georgetown just because everybody was acting brand new. Like Pat was going to fall on his face after being around basketball for almost his entire life, mm-hmm. where we heard he wasn't going to be good at recruiting, he wasn't going to do this, he doesn't know how to do that. That's all I heard from that side of it. So that's probably where I'm going to lean towards, purely off of that. That's what we heard almost every hour on the hour when he got the job um, over the summer. So I'm going I'm to side more with Maryland. Okay. Um, I'm happy for Big Pat because I feel like he should have got an opportunity with the, the NBA, yes. be a head coach. That was some nonsense, but we ain't going to get into that and maybe at a later time. Um, you know, I feel like it's Maryland because they they be more teams, but obviously stiffer competition, you know. No disrespect to Maryland, he's sure they're not on the caliber of Georgetown, mm-hmm. where never will be. Um, so they should beat the heck out of them. But it's still, you know, it's still a good start, and I like the way Maryland young guns are stepping up, like Anthony Cowles, man. He's playing all Big Ten ball right now. You know, he he's doing it all. Um, Deion Wiley showing signs. He's he's made an improvement where he's, he's he, yeah he, he's healthy and all that. Um, and I like the, the freshman Daryl Mo- um, Morzell out of out of Mount St. Joe's out of Baltimore. The freshman he just got Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Oh, you know what I'm saying? So he's already making an impact. And this without Justin Jackson really going off, who's projected to be a lot. We're well, not a lottery pick, but a pick mm-hmm. um, in the upcoming draft if, if he um, turns it on. So. Um, they're gonna be tested with Xavier coming up, so um, you know I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. All right, last question tonight. Oh man, <laughs> which wing has improved most in your eyes? Will Barton from the Nuggets, Kelly Oubre from the Wizards, or Jalen Brown from the Celtics? Oh man, that's tough. That's a horrible question. Um, <laughs> horrible that you can make me choose. Um, I love everything Kelly's done. Mm-hmm. Everything Kelly's done. I love everything's Will done. In that order, I'm probably gonna go Jalen Kelly Will. And I'm giving and I'm giving Jalen like the slightest edge. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm a piggy. I'm still something from you earlier for the winning. The, the, the role that you have to play, and I'm not knocking Kelly's role, but Gordon Hayward goes down. That's a big. You know, you got to fill that gap somehow between you and Tatum and. They they can't win without him playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. They can't win without Jalen playing at a high level. Like he he impacts the game so much for them. So I'm going Jalen Kelly will. Uh, I'm probably gonna go Jalen too. Um, I don't know why they act like he wasn't the, th- the third pick and, uh, just a couple years ago. And um, <laughs> and and for me, mm-hmm. there was no doubt he would be this because you know definitely just seeing him when I saw him at high school hoop hall. 
and what he could do. I was like, man, he's a man child, six seven, like two thirty. He's a man child. What stopped him last year was just a jumper. Yeah. Now he can shoot. Man. So, I mean, he's another added dimension where they had Gordon Hayward's like, man, it's, he it's imagine problem. imagine the type of lineups you can throw out with the, all three of them Bruh. special wings on the floor. Yeah, and he straps, he shoots, he's not he's not scared in the moment. He's he's being efficient, he could pass. He's a multi-dimensional guard. And I love and he and he truth be told, he he was on it during summer league. Like mm-hmm. you can see it then, but it, you know, not sure these guys it's not gonna be in the league, so you don't take it too serious. But I love what he's doing, the improvement. And to me he's the bigger he's honestly probably the biggest reason why the Celtics are where they are now, you know, with their record. And uh just another note for the people saying Markel's a bust. Um his first game was against that improved Jalen Brown. He he gave him some numbers. Um I thank you, you know, when he get back, it's gonna be even more problems. So just for the people who want to throw out there that he's a bust and ain't even really played yet. Just the last thing with the bust thing, man. Just like we don't need to be calling Markella bust. You need to be calling Lonzo a bust. We need to relax. Like let some time go by. Well, like two, like, and, three and I know Lonzo got the hype coming with it. So I understand some people's disdain for his dad going at the kid. Um, it's separate for me. Like separate the kid from the dad. Mm-hmm. I know the dad comes with the theatrics and it's a family thing, but the kid's just trying to hoop and trying mm-hmm. to find his way in the NBA. Um, and he seemed like a good kid. Like I told you, I was taken back during the, um, you know, the post game session uh, when he was talking after after the game with the Wizards. Just kid got a good head on his shoulders. Um, oh yeah, he's very yeah. smart. He's he's, yeah. a, he's a different animal. I, that's what made me fall in love with him. Like in high school, like yeah. he's not your typical hooper. No, like he, he's a he's an outside the box. He, he's kind of he, he's he's a genius. Like I think in high school he's like four point plus. Like he's. He went to Cal because he wanted to study something unique or whatever. Like, he's a different type of dude, and that's what makes him great. And I think that's what's going to make him great. We just got to wait. Like, just be patient. Just be patient. A lot of rookies go through this. Every rookie doesn't come out averaging 20 initially out the box. Um, people, like, this just microwave society. We got to chill sometimes. Everybody's ready to but, talk crazy. Like, but it's like that with basketball, too, because yeah. I tell people, like, every level you move up in basketball, it was hard. Like, yeah. coming from the high school AAU level, you go to college, it, it, it took me a minute, like, to learn the system and, and adapt my game. What you think gonna happen with the pros and these guys already the elite of the elite? We're eighteen games in. That's my point. We're not forty. Everybody relax. But want to thank you guys for tuning in, Cardinal. Thanks for some great questions and rapid fire. I hope you guys enjoyed. All of you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Gonna have a lot more for you guys uh, because we'll be busy this weekend.